Well, Happy New Year, Grace. Let's do it. Hey, uh, I've got some good news. You guys like good news? All right. The same God who was faithful in 2023 is gonna be the same God's gonna be faithful in 2024. How about that? That's what I'm talking about, man. It might be an election year. It might be, uh, who knows what life's gonna bring your way, but I promise you this, what we just sang about is true. God will be faithful. And so this morning, as you turn your Bibles to Romans chapter three, um, we're gonna jump in there in just a second. I've gotta really quickly say a big welcome to those of you that are at Grace for the very first time. It's so good to have you here. And at the end of the service, I wanna invite you to go back to our Next Steps wall in the corridor. Can't miss it. It actually says next steps, and you can't miss that. Uh, if, you have info, you know, if you want information about who we are, what we believe, you can check that out. Uh, we also have a, uh, some Next Steps classes coming up in two weeks, 5 p.m., just talking about who we are, what we believe, all that sort of thing. So hopefully you'll sign up for that as well. Man, if you're wanting to get connected, honestly, this is just a great time to do that. We have Bible studies that are launching. Um, we, we are kicking off financial classes. Uh, we're gonna be offering Financial Peace University two or three times this year. We've got something called Compass that's, uh, that's uh, kicking off right now. Uh, just, man, what, what does it look like to, uh, man, make steps in the positive direction? How can I honor God with every part of my life, including money. We've got, uh, like I said, Bible studies, other connection opportunities, but I, I'm glad that you're here. And if we haven't met yet, I wanna have the chance to meet you. It just might not be today, and here's why. On Christmas day, I got this stupid cold. I have coughed nonstop. I'm literally operating on coffee, NyQuil, and Hall's cough drops. That's literally what, how I'm operating. And so, man, normally I love hanging out there, but if I'm back there, I know I'm gonna talk and I'm trying to save my voice for all four services today. But man, if I don't meet you today, hopefully we'll have the chance to connect on down the road. But I also wanna celebrate something. We, uh, we were raising money through our Christmas Gifts for Christ uh, initiative for, uh, we're translating uh, pastor's training materials into Hindi and Bengali. And I love being able to celebrate good news. It's somewhere between 60 and $65,000 that has come in. Can we just celebrate God's faithfulness? And I, I just wanna say thank you so much for each of you that gave, that were part of that. And I'm excited to, to hear the cool stories that are gonna come out of your generosity. And so maybe today you came uh, ready to give. Man, we, we look at giving, not just, hey, let's keep the lights on, though we wanna do that. Uh, but more than that, just, man, what can we do to invest in the kingdom of God, what God is doing in a community around the world? And, and so whether you came prepared to give, you can give online, on our app or at the boxes in the back, let me just say thank you. Thank you for making a difference. I love being part of a generous congregation. And, and then the last thing I'm gonna do before we jump in is just to give you a heads up. Starting next week, two weeks, whatever, in the next little bit, you're gonna be seeing some construction take place here at Grace. And I'm just warning you, some of you were at uh, the information meeting that we had about a month and a half ago talking about the, the phases coming up for us. We're still looking for land to buy. Our long-term plan is to build, but we've 
here's the deal. We still have people showing up like crazy. And so we are going to be uh, putting in a balcony in the, t- in the top. It's gonna be a recessed balcony. We're gonna be getting rid of our second floor up there. Uh, some of the sermon prep stuff, that's still gonna happen, but just not there. Um, but uh, ju- just so you know, it's not gonna be a balcony that comes out, but it's gonna be recessed. But there will be some serious construction taking place here over the next month or so. And, uh, and so we'll, we'll keep you up updated on that. But you know, when we, when we were working on the plans, one thing that, uh, you know, we, we got back, one of the first questions that the engineer had for us, he's like, if we put in this balcony, he said, what kind of foundation do we have here? And, uh, and man, I, I anticipated that question because in 2013, when we, we did a major innovation. There used to be a wall that came down the center aisle. And honestly, the sanctuary was just on this side. Um, and, and so when we had done that renovation, we intentionally had made sure that we shored up the foundation, engineered things so that it would accommodate on down the road if we ever needed to put in a balcony. Looking back, I have no idea why we did that. Like we didn't need to do it then, but we we're like, hey, who knows? But, but we were, you know, we were thinking about, you know, what God could do. And I am so glad that we did that because if not, that'd be a major, major uh, part of this project. But, 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 you know, it's a good question for the architect and, and the city and whoever else uh, to ask, how's your foundation? Because man, if the foundation's off, everything's off, everything. And over the next several weeks, we're gonna be talking about foundations. In fact, for the first three months or so, probably from now till Easter, um, the, the whole focus of our, of our teaching is going to be on I mean, this, this whole, whole thing of, okay, once we get past the basics, what does it look like to grow? What does it look like to practically live out this faith? And we're going to be looking at, man, like aspects to discipleship maybe you've never even thought of before. But we're going to see what the Word of God says. We're just going to let the Word of God guide us. But what I want to do for the next few weeks is I want to make sure that we have a solid foundation to build on because the foundation's off. Everything else is off. And you know, we're a very diverse church and I love that. I love the fact that, man, I, in fact, I think last next, the last Next Steps classes that we did, I asked the question, you know, so where does everybody come from? And I would just call out, uh, you know, how many of you had a Nazarene background or how many of you came from a Baptist uh, church or Presbyterian or Calvary Chapel? And, and you know, then, then you know, uh, Mormon Catholic, how, how many of you uh, just didn't go to church? We had around 21 or 22 different religious backgrounds represented just in that group of 80 people or so that were in next steps. And, and so I, I love that. I like the diversity thing. As long as that we might come at things from a different place, we have the same foundation. It's really, really important. Now, we're gonna be looking at this whole idea. What, what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean for us to be justified? And, and we're gonna be talking, we're actually gonna be examining some 16 cylinder words that are in scripture just to make sure that we understand them. And uh, there are two verses that, that we're gonna be, or two aspects, we're gonna be looking at Romans and we're gonna be looking at James and, and how they work together. And here's why it's important. Because James says in, in James 2.24 that we're justified by works and not by faith alone. Like, whoa, hold on a second. Is that, is that really true? Well, it's in scripture. Then Romans 3.28, we're gonna look at that today. Paul says that we're justified by faith, 
We are justified by faith apart from works of the law. And you're like, wait, hold on a second. That, that seems like there's a, there's a conflict here. The Bible's, I knew it wasn't true. The Bible's contradicting itself. Well, here's the deal. We're gonna look that, at, at the fact that a text without context is nothing more than a pretext. We gotta make sure that we understand and what you're going to see is that actually what James is teaching, what Paul is teaching, they're not uh, they're not actually contradicting one another. They're actually collaborating together. But we got to make sure that we grasp this again because we have to have the proper foundation. And so I want us to begin here in Romans chapter three. What Paul is doing is we pick up our reading in Romans chapter three. He's already, the apostle Paul is gonna be giving a legal defense. Literally what he's doing as, as, as a legal mind is he is going to present why why we should believe. He's going to explain the righteousness of God. In fact, he's already explained this in, in Romans chapter two, the righteousness of God. He's, explain, he's going to explain the purpose of the law. He's going to explain this whole thing that we talk about. It's like a phrase that we throw around the church. We're saved by grace through faith. He's going to make sure that, that the people that he's writing to understand and grasp this. And so when he picks up, when we pick up here in the middle of, of, of Romans chapter three, he's, he's actually, he's already made the point that no one is righteous. There's not a single person that can point themselves and be like, yeah, I got this figured out. Nobody. And in light of that though, there's this righteousness that we're called to and, and he's going to actually speak to the how. How is it even possible for us to, to experience this righteousness? And so we pick up our reading in Romans 3, 21, where we read, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What that means is when you look at the person sitting next to you, they are a sinner. That's great, that's great, man. And you know it, or they know it. We've all sinned. We've all sinned. And we fall short of the glory of God, but here's the key word in verse 24. We are justified, we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Real quick, propitiation, big word alert. What's that mean? Literally just think of it this way. It's talking about what Jesus did in taking your place. He was punished for you, okay? So he took the, 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 the wrath, the... The, the just wrath that we should have received for our sins, he took it for us. That's literally what that means. He stood in our place. This was to show God's righteousness, pick up in verse 25. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. And he's speaking to the sins. There was, there was a judgment. Jesus hadn't shown up before the law the law was given, there was, you know, there had to be something paid here, but he had passed over this. Everything, even in the Old Testament, was looking forward to the cross. It says that he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then he asked some very piercing questions. Then what becomes of our boasting? Well, it's excluded. By what kind of law? By law of works? No. But by the law of faith, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. 
Okay, so there's something I wanna hit before we dive in and look at this. When, when he's talking about righteousness, the righteousness of God, I, I like how Martin Luther uh, speaks of this righteousness. It's, it's an alien righteousness. It doesn't mean like, you know, it's a righteousness you find on the X-Files or something like that. No, it's, it's, it's a, a righteousness that is outside us. It's not a righteousness that, that is, comes from within. It's a righteousness that is given. See that word gift in there. It's a righteousness that is granted. So I wanna make sure that, that we grasp this. And, and listen, I'm gonna tell you like today, like my purpose is not, let's get, let's get the crowd fired up. Let's just do this. Honestly, I want to be as crystal clear as possible because man, I gotta make sure if we're gonna build on this, we've got, we've got the foundation right. In fact, after the end of the service, I'm not gonna go out there, but if you've got questions, come up and talk to me. Now, this is not the time to have a theological argument. I'm not gonna do that. We can set up a meeting for that. But, but if, if, you, if you have questions, I wanna make sure that we grasp this this morning. It's so important that this is clear because this, this literally changes everything if our foundation is off. Okay, so I'm gonna look at, I'm gonna look at three questions. We're gonna look at the why, the what, and the how. Now, how many of you picked up a message guide, the, writ, the paper message guide on the way in? Okay, like if you're type A, I'm gonna blow your mind real quick, hold on. Um, I am going to talk about the second point before I do the first point. And you're like, like I, I'm serious, like, I, I, it's like I, I told you 2024 is gonna be a terrible year, just start off too. Hang with me, it's gonna be good, you'll be fine. But no, I, because as I was thinking about this yesterday, I'm like, no, I actually got to start with a why before I get to the what, okay? So we're going to start with the why. And, and the first question that I want us to, to talk about is, why do I need to be justified? Because that's the key word that we're going to be looking at today. What is justification? Why do I need to be justified? And here's a simple answer. You can write this down and then we're going to break it down. Because as a sinner, I am obsessed with my performance and I'm always falling short. As a sinner, I'm obsessed with my performance and I'm always falling short. Okay, so like, let me just say, I'm gonna talk to three people today. I'm gonna talk to the, the person that you're not a Christian. And by the way, I am thrilled that, you hear, that you're here. Like, man, just the fact you're here is a great honor. And, and I'm not here to talk you into the kingdom of God because what I love is the Holy Spirit can do what I can't. But I do wanna just break some stuff down that you just think about. Okay, so I, I want us to think about this. If, if you're not a believer, I wanna to talk to the person that has a false faith and you don't know it yet. And I'm praying that somehow, some way, that God's gonna open your eyes. If you're believing in anything other than what you should, if your foundation is, is, is anything other than what we're gonna examine this morning, I'm praying God just opens your eyes. But then I also wanna to talk to the believer who maybe has begun to take what I'm gonna talk about for granted, because I don't think you can ever take this for granted, okay? So let me, let me come back to this question. Why do I need to be justified? Because I'm obsessed with my performance, I'm always falling short. Like I would, get, I would get the guess that even if you're not a Christian, you can get this in some way, okay? So let me, let me, let me explain why. Like the first two verses that he's taught, introduced this whole idea of justification. Um, first of all, I think it's good for us to, I, I like Tim Keller's definition of, of, of uh, justification, or I'm sorry, of righteousness. He says that righteousness is a validating performance record that opens doors, okay? When we're talking about righteousness, it's a validating performance record that opens doors. And, and 
we don't even maybe think about this, but it happens all the time. So for example, uh, if, uh, if you go to the bank for a loan, what are they gonna ask for? Your credit report. They will see your credit report. If, uh, if you apply for a new job, what do they wanna see? Your resume. What have you done? What's your performance? If, if you apply to go to college, what do they wanna see? Your transcript. Like, like we, we live in a day and age, all of us live performing. All of us are, are holding on to something that get, grants us access to something. And that, you know, those of you who are like, I don't live, I don't care about nobody, I don't care about nothing, I'm just my own man. No, you're not. Like literally, like you, you went to a high school cafeteria, most segregated place in the entire United States. You got the jocks, you got the brainiacs, you got whatever the cool rebellious group happens to be at the time. You've got the artsy, like, okay, we, we've got all these different things. And it's funny because even if you're like, you, you wanna prove that, yeah, I'm not like a geek, like the, the guys over there making good grades. Yeah, I don't care about my academic performance. Well, here's the deal. You have to brag about the fact you don't have academic performance to meet the, the standard of this group. To be, with, to be with that group, you gotta prove that, that you belong in that group. Listen, we all, we all are, are presenting some sort of, of record, but, but here's the thing, even when we don't realize it, we're obsessed with performance. We're obsessed with how we do, how we're gonna be perceived, <clears throat> excuse me, and we work at this. But it's funny, this, this even shows up, man, when it, when it comes to God, like every religion, double check me on this, check out the cults, explore different religious systems. Man, all of them, all of them, almost everyone believes to connect to God, to make it to paradise, to experience eternal life, whatever. You pull out your performance record. Here's what I've done. Performance-based righteousness. This is my validating performance record. It's gonna open doors. God, accept me. That's what we point to. And then Paul shows up and he literally blows this up. He's like, no, 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 that's not how it goes. There is this absolutely unheard of spirituality, this absolutely unheard of approach to God that's been revealed. It's an alien righteousness that you don't earn, but it's been earned for you and given to you as a gift. You're like, oh, no, no, that's not, that's not how it works. Look, here's what I've done. He's like, no, no, no that's, not, that's not how it works. Well, what's well, interesting is what I've read this morning, we're justified by faith, apart from our works. It flies in the face of this internal drive that we have been programmed with. I have to prove myself. I need to justify to you why I should be loved. I need to justify why you should accept me. I, I, want, I need to justify why I'm worth. We strive to validate our existence, but our performance record, man, is not, in a spiritual sense, a glowing record. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Here's how the prophet Isaiah put it. By the way, like if you're offended by anything that's crude or whatever, just brace yourself. You're gonna get offended. That's gonna be the Bible that's gonna offend you. So it is what it is. Here's, here's, what, here's what Isaiah said. 
He said, we have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. What's he talking about polluted garment? He's literally, it's the same word that, that uh, it, it, in Hebrew means a menstrual cloth used by a female. Gross. It's there in scripture. God's through his prophet Isaiah wanted to make sure that we grasped what our record that we present to God looks like. Why do I need to be justified? Because on my best days, I still fall short. Which brings me to the what question, which would be number one for those of you taking notes on the, the paper guide. What is justification? Very simple, it's very, very simple. Justification is God calling a guilty sinner righteous. How many of you ever spent time in a principal's office? Let me see your hand, be honest. I know my crowd, I know my crowd, yeah. You're my people, you're my people. When I would spend time in the principal's office, he did not ask to meet with me because he was enamored by my glowing personality. I showed up in the principal's office just, well, I deserved to be there. I had earned a spot in, in, his, in his office. And I always liked it when the principal would ask, so what are you here for? And I always wanted to, to ask the questions like, well, hey, if you don't know, I'm free to go, right? Like, we're good, we're good. But I never asked that question. Okay, so, so we get the, here's the thing. You go to the principal's office. The reason why it's such a big deal is because he's the authority figure in the, the, the school. He, he, based on whatever it was that you did, has the right to impose punishment, to expel you, to whatever, whatever it has to be. You, you know that, that when you show up, that's a big deal. You go to the principal's office. Well, for some of you, it wasn't a big deal because you were there a lot, but, but it, it's, it's, it's a big deal. And, and here's the deal, when you're sitting there and you know you did something stupid, you know what you did, he knows what you did. It's like, can we, just get, can we just get through all the stuff and just tell me what my punishment is going to be? Justification is when the principal says, did you do this, 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 and this? And you're like, yes, sir, I did. Or yes, ma'am, I did. It's when the principal says, well, you know what? I'm actually, I'm actually not gonna hold you liable for that. You can go. And you're like, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. No, I, I actually did that. You're like, no, no, I, I'm, I'm not gonna hold it against you. As far as I'm concerned, it never happened. Now you would walk out of the principal's office just like, are you kidding me right now? What just happened? That never happened to me, by the way. Never, ever happened to me, by the way. But, but it's this whole idea of justification where the, uh, a, a person who, is in a place of authority who has the ability to make a judgment call, makes a judgment call and calls and, 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 and says that someone is right with them even though we both know that I'm not right. It's, it's, it's a judicial act. It's literally a, a legal act in which administering the law, they say, yes, you did this, but it's not just that you're forgiven, in my eyes, it's, it's like it never happened. When, when you walk out, I'll just use the principal's office again. When you walk out, there's no punishment coming your way. 
when you walk out, you don't have to duck and hide when you see the principal because the principal's the one that, that said it was good. You don't have to, to uh, you know, just kind of keep everything to yourself and all that stuff. No, no, actually, you probably are gonna talk about it because you can't believe that, that this is the case. You, you, you're reconciled. Like there's nothing that, that stands between you. You've been declared righteous, even though you know you're guilty. Guys, this is, again, I wanna make sure we get this, this is foundational. This is justification. You're not righteous because you did some really good things and, and finally changed God's mind. He's like, okay, you did good, here you go. Ah, you're justified, no. It's when God, because what Jesus Christ did, says that you're righteous even when you know that you're not righteous. But here's the crazy thing, man. It gives you these great benefits and privileges. In fact, I'm not gonna preach there, but if you go to Romans chapter five, look at the first five verses. It talks about these incredible benefits that we have because we've been declared righteous. We're not righteous, but we are because the judge said we are. And, and what happens is, is it changes even the, it, this, this view of God. I think a lot of us have a, a messed up view of God. Some of you have a view of, of God as this judge who is just waiting. He got, he got the hammer. He's getting ready to go for you. He's, you're in fear of seeing the judge, literally because he's declared us to be righteous. We, we don't have to fear that. And it'd be like, if you, if you've, for those of you that have had a good dad, you have no fear. It's like when, when, when you would see him, you, you don't see him first by his title judge, you see him by his title father. He's good that you have access. And I think that there are times that some of us haven't grasped the benefit that is ours. We've, <clears throat> we've actually settled for being, you know, knowing about God, being around the people of God. Dude, listen, you have access to God, but, but proximity, being around God, proximity doesn't give you access. Relationship gives you access. Like, like for instance, my kids are grown now. But like there were times when my kids were little, they come in a room crying or whatever, and there's nothing worse than just waking up to a kid silently staring at you. Like that, literally that'll freak a person out. But you know, they say, hey, you know, had a bad dream or whatever, can I sleep with you? Sure, climb into bed. My son or daughter, when they were young and did that, they had access to me, they could climb into my bed. If on the other hand, you try that, I'll shoot you. Like, like you are not getting, like that'd be weird. You know what I'm saying? But it's because the, the, the difference is, is, is the relationship. But this is what I love about the what. What justification does is, is it gives us access. Forgiveness is, you know, we're forgiven. It's like, you can go, you know, the penalty is removed, but justification does more than that. It says, you can come and you have access to everything that I have. This is what God does. And it's not because, again, we're that good. So how in the world does this happen? And this is what I love about what we've, what we've been looking at here in these verses. It's really all about the prepositions as we answer the question, how am I justified? Justification happens. Look at these prepositions. By grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, without the works of the law. He, it's very clear, like, like again, just circle all the prepositions in, that, uh, in those verses that we read this morning. It happens by grace, right there in verse 24. If you look at verses 22, 25, 28, 
even if you keep reading, if you get to 30, um, it's by and through faith. If you look at verses 21, 28, it's in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 23, it's without the works of the law. Man, those, like English, you're like, I'm never gonna use these, this whole idea, you know, anything about prepositions. Oh, dude, you need to hear, because prepositions matter. This is the how, this is how it takes place. It's not a work done by me. It is a work done for me. And I'm up, man, as I come to a close here, I, I just gotta tell you, this is where I struggled growing up. Man, I was raised a great family, great parents, parents who were consistent. What I mean by consistent is what you saw in public is what you saw behind closed doors. They were the real deal. I'm, and I, I'm very grateful for that. I went to church. I had a pastor that loved me. He, he, was, he, he didn't mind speaking straight, but I, I, just have, I, don't, have, I don't have all these, these regrets. But it's, it's interesting because every religious denomination, whatever, church, they, they have a, a take a lot of times on, on grace. And one, one, one take is, is this extreme that says, well, if I'm saved by grace through faith, I can do whatever I want. God's cool with that. that that's called cheap grace. And uh, honestly, I'm gonna get sidetracked here, but look, I gotta do this. If that's your take, I can just do whatever I want to do. I don't have to, I don't have to follow Jesus. I prayed a prayer one time. Hold on a second. This is that person with a false faith that I, God needs to open your eyes. There is no such thing as a faith in Jesus Christ that allows you to say, I can do whatever I want. Jesus Christ is not only savior, he's also Lord. What that means is he not only saves our souls, he gets to call the shot. And so there's cheap grace that says, I can do whatever I want. Actually in 1 John chapter three, John has some pretty straight language. This is scripture, this is in my opinion. Jesus says, for the person that continues in, in willful sin, it's not just that they don't know the Father, they've never known the Father. There are no rebels in the kingdom of God. Do we sin? Do we fall? Yes. There's a difference between, between me sinning and me tripping and me falling as I'm following and me rebelliously living my life the way I want to live and not following Jesus Christ. And so I just need to shoot straight with you. If, I, if you're offended by that, good. And what I mean by that is, is somehow that we, we got to understand licentiousness is not, is not the way to go. But here's the deal. That extreme was not the extreme that I was raised with. In fact, on the other hand, there's, there's another extreme that says, I got to be so careful. And this can come from, from good places. But, but we live under almost this cloud. I just, man, I want to be careful. I don't want to lose this. I don't want to, I don't want to do something. We, we literally live under this self-obsession is so interesting. Both extremes come from the same place. Me saying, I can do whatever I want is focused on, I can do what I want. But on the other hand, this whole thing, I gotta be careful, I gotta be careful. It's obsessed with my performance. They're both self-centeredness. And so I, I, I got caught up in this whole thing. I've gotta, man, I gotta be careful. And, the, we, and, and listen, man, I believe in a careful Christian life, walking carefully with the Lord our God, but not in the sense that I'm just obsessed with my performance. And what happened raised in this environment, though nobody, I've never heard anybody say that we are, man, you know, it's your works that, that are gonna prove to God that you're good enough. I, I just somehow started living like this was the case. And what I found out is I could not live the life that I need to live. And so I would fail and 
Man, every time that somebody preached a hot message, I was first one down there to pray as a kid. And I tell God what I was gonna do, how I was gonna be better. And, and, and I might be better for two days, maybe two weeks. I don't think I ever got to two months. And then I'd fail again. And so what I ended up doing at some point is I settled for a form of godliness, but denied the power. And what I did was I claimed something I did not possess and I just stopped trying. And I, I settled for just doing the thing on Sunday, acting like I got my act together. Anytime I saw a person in church doing my, you know, acting all holy. But my friends and the people that are close, but they knew that was not me. This happened all the way into college. I'm engaged to be married. And I've told my story and I'm gonna get into all the things that I got into, what God had to save me from. But I can tell you guys, I remember in March of 1999, driving around Cincinnati and I was so, I got so sick and tired of just this, this weight on one hand that I ne and I never could, I, I couldn't live up to it. But on the other hand, I got so sick and tired of being a hypocrite. I, I just, in desperation, I called out and said, God, Either you can save me or you can't, but I'm done faking it. And it's weird in that, in that moment, it wasn't like this, this huge, like I didn't hear classical music or hallelujah chorus or anything like that. I literally, I, I just said, God, either the cross is enough or there's not enough. And guys, I can, I can point you to that point, that place, man, where faith began for me. And I didn't tell God that I was gonna, here's my performance. Here's what I've done, accept me. Man, I, I came here and I was desperate. I'm like, you gotta just, here, either you're gonna take me or you're not gonna take me. I got nothing. There's nothing I'm bringing to the table. And guys, what I can tell you is that in that moment, man, God started to work in me. He changed me. What he did, I, I, I'm sure he didn't say this, but it's the whole thing. It's like, all right, Keith, what took you so long? Now you get it. And what he did was he declared me to be righteous, even though, he and I both knew I wasn't righteous. How could he declare me to be righteous? Because of what Christ had done for me. That was my faith. And that's why Paul, in, in the last two verses we read in verse 27, 28, he's like, man, it, it just, this gets rid of our reason to brag. In fact, my big point is this, we can't brag about anyone or anything else other than Jesus. Like my boast becomes Jesus. It's about Jesus. And I wish we could grasp this in the church. I'm so tired of self-righteousness. I'm so tired of this judgmental thing where we're just looking at people that are different and like, well, you know, they're not where they need to be. Dude, every self-righteous person needs to be reminded of verses 27 and 28 of Romans chapter three. It's not about you. It's not about your righteousness. It's about what Christ did on the cross. That's it. It gets rid of our bragging. And what we do is instead of living, looking down our nose at other people, what it allows us to do is to live a life of gratitude, reminded of who we are without Christ and being reminded that because of what Christ did, we have the greatest hope in the world. It changes everything. And this is where, man, I'm gonna close. I'm gonna close with a story though. And this is for those of you that you're just kicking the wheels in this thing. You're not a believer but maybe you're interested. How does this happen? What's the big deal about the cross? It's a big deal. It's a big deal. We were right around our necks, hanging in our homes. We sing about it, talk about it. 
but do we really grasp what, what happened there on the cross? And let me tell a story. I've told this story a hundred times. If you've been here, going here to Grace, many times you've heard this story, but it's still, I think maybe it's the only best thing I can think of to tell, to explain why the cross matters. When I was a freshman in college, I was, uh, I was at Indiana University walking across campus and somebody yelled at me. They had a little pop-up tent and they yelled and they said, hey, you want a free t-shirt? I'm like, yeah, I want a free t-shirt. So I walked over there and they said, hey, all you gotta do is sign up for this uh, credit card and we'll give you a free t-shirt. Well, here's the deal. I didn't, I'd never thought of a credit card, didn't want a credit card. I want a free t-shirt. And so I'm like, yeah, sure. Filled it out, got a free t-shirt. Didn't think anything of it until two, three weeks later, a Discover card shows up in my mailbox. I, I literally, oh, that was kind of cool. Activated it, put it in my wallet, but literally never thought anything about it. In fact, like, like a year goes, goes by, I never used this card. But my sophomore year of, of college, I was with a bunch of buddies and uh, it was on Valentine's Day and none of us at that point were dating. And uh, so we're like, hey, you know what? Everybody else is out with their girlfriend. Let, let's, let's go to Outback. We'll just have a good time. Like, cool, let's go. So we went there. I didn't think anything ordered. And when I, when I pulled out my wallet to pay, the check came. I looked, I thought I had more money in my wallet than what I did. I'm like, dude, I don't have enough to pay. And one of my friends was like, oh, dude, you got a credit card, just use Discover. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Pull up my Discover card and paid. And uh, I was like, well, that was easy. <laughs> and so, you know, the bill came, I, I paid, I paid the, the statement. Well, then it was just one of those things like, you know, well, I probably need to build up my credit rating. This is why we're having FPU. I'm just telling you right now for people like me. And so, so, you know, I was spinning. In fact, I, it was my junior year. Uh, actually, it might've been the end of my sophomore year. And I got a statement in the, in the mail and I did not realize how much I had used my Discover card. In fact, the number that was on the statement was a lot bigger than the numbers in my checking account. And so I know, you know, you know I did what any self-respecting college student would do. I stuffed it under my mattress and just decided to put it out of my mind. I'm not gonna think about it. About two more statements like that, I get a phone call from a person with an Italian accent. Uh, pretty sure they were from the mafia family. And they said that they were bill collectors and they said they were going to be collecting that money for me. And it, it scared me sufficiently enough that I actually got on the phone and, and made a phone call I did not want to make. I dialed the number, the phone rang, and my dad answered the phone. I explained the whole situation. He had no idea I had a credit card. And I'm like, dad, I, dude, I blew it big time. This is stupid, my bad. And I'm like, I can't pay this. And, and uh, Manny is gonna come and beat me up. And so I'm like, can you help me out? And, and I remember my dad said, he said, uh, I'll do this. There's two things though you need to know. He said, first of all, if I'm gonna do this, uh, he said, you need to mail me that credit card. And he said, are you cool with me cutting it up? I'm like, oh yeah, please just, just get rid of it. I'm fine with that. Just whatever, keep Manny away. And then he said, uh, the second thing was, he said, uh, you get a one-time shot at this. I'm never doing this again. I'm like, okay, good. Yeah, I'm good. And, and so what happened was I hung up the phone. My dad had the information and he promised to pay. And I looked at that invoice, the, the statement that I had in front of me when I'd called dad. And what had owned me and what obsessed me before I'd made the phone call now had zero hold on me because that debt was there, that, that number, 
as far as I'm concerned, I didn't owe it because dad was, dad was gonna pay. And I use that example of stupidity from my past to illustrate why the cross matters. All of us at some point get to a place that all of our striving and all of our performing, it just gets to a place that's it's not enough. And by the way, some of you are not there yet. I pray that you soon will be, but right now you're spending. You're using the credit card and the bill hasn't come due yet. But there's going to come a time and a place and some of you are actually there where the bill has come due. And you don't have in the account what it takes to pay the bill. In the Old Testament, they didn't have credit cards, but they did have a system when it came to debt. In fact, culturally, if you got in debt, if bad circumstances happened or whatever, and you could not pay your bills, what would take place is that whatever your land was or whatever it was that you own, somebody took that, you had to give that away, and you would either have to become a slave or work out some sort of detail where even if, if the land was yours, you had to continue to work the land, but you didn't get the profits. You had to pay it to somebody else that would cover you. And so, so it would result in the slavery, but it's interesting when the law was given, in fact, in Leviticus 25, 25, there's this interesting concept that, that is described. And man, I could preach a whole message on this and maybe I will later, but I, let me just close with this whole idea. And it, it was, it was this, this whole idea that if, if you had a debt that you could not pay, there was one way, there was one way that, that the debt could be paid without you becoming a slave. And, and it's a word that we find actually, if you read through Ruth, it shows up in, in Ruth, it's this phrase, uh, it's, it's called kinsman, <laughs> excuse me, kinsman redeemer. Someone could become a kinsman redeemer. You actually find this, man, through, through Leviticus, through Deuteronomy. You'll find it other places it's referred to in scripture. And, and so here's how it worked. To be a kinsman redeemer, they had to have three characteristics. First of all, they had to be of the same flesh and blood. They had to be a relative. Secondly, they had to act out of love. They weren't compelled to do this, <clears throat> but because they were a relative, they could step in and do this. So this, a kinsman redeemer did not act out of compulsion, but out of love. Number three, when they bought their relative's freedom, it came at a cost to themselves. It's this whole idea of, of kinsman redeemer is actually found all through scripture. So the reason why I illustrate this, like where are you going with this? Is because when we sing and we use the phrase Jesus our redeemer, and we sing of redemption and all that sort of thing. It's literally, we're, we're talking about Jesus fulfilling what was given in the law all those years ago, him becoming our kinsman redeemer. What was required? Well, he had to become flesh like us. He, he didn't have to be compelled to do this. He did this out of love. He came to seek and save the lost. That was what he did. And then the third thing was, he had to give sacrificially. We, did, we couldn't pay it. He had to pay it. And literally what happened on the cross, Jesus Christ 
paid so that that debt that came due, that thing that, that obsesses you, that invoice is there. It doesn't own you anymore because what God has done is he's wiped out that debt. And he's saying, I declare you to be righteous. Everything is right between us. You don't have to pay. <clears throat> You're like, well, that's not fair though. I did this. I did, yeah, yeah. You don't have to pay. Here's what I love about Jesus. He doesn't just pardon you. He doesn't just cover our debt. He literally unites with us. He takes us into himself. He takes us into to himself. All, all that he has, he makes available to us. God becomes through Christ, both just, there has to be a punishment, but then also the justifier because Jesus Christ paid. And you're like, man, I deserve this. I deserve the guilt. It's like, like, we all know this. Like God knows it, you know it. But Jesus says, no, listen to me, son and daughter. Let me have your sin. Let me have your shame. Let me have your pain. You're like, well, no, I did this to myself. My marriage isn't gonna make it. Man, my, my relationship with my kids, is, it can never be restored. Man, you don't know my life. You don't know my past. You don't know what I've done. I deserve divorce. I deserve poverty. I deserve sickness. I deserve it all. No, and man, we're so ashamed. And God's like, man, give me your shame. Give me your guilt. But what if I, what if I screw up again? I'll do it again. Jesus Christ paid. And guys, until we get to the place that we believe what is at the foundation of this thing that we call Christianity, that we are justified and made right with God, a righteousness that is not of ourselves. We're justified and made right with God through Christ. Until we believe that and live in that, we're gonna be one of two people. We're gonna be, Actually, I would say maybe one of three people. We're never gonna be justified or we're gonna buy into a false system that says I've gotta earn this or we're going to live self-righteously and diminish what Christ did for us. And what Christ did for us, oh, it changes everything. We have a righteousness, not of works, not by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, which is why the reformers preach this great message, faith alone, sole vita, faith alone. That is our hope. And so what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna close in prayer, but I, like I said, I'm gonna stay here as long as it takes. If you have questions, this, guys, this matters. That This literally right here matters. This might, this might be the most significant message I preach all year because if we get the foundation wrong, the whole building is off. If we get this right, man, what God has for us is unbelievable. So if you want to pray, if you want to, you have questions, man, I'll hang out here. We got row, we got other people. We're, we're here to pray, do whatever we can do. God's got you. God, thank you so much for what you've done. Thank you that we're saved, not because we're so lovable. We're justified, not because we've never sinned, but God, we're reconciled to you because of what Jesus Christ did in taking our place on the cross. God, his sacrifice was enough, not just so that we could be forgiven, but so that we could have access. And God, I pray that for these people, that, we, that them, me, all of us, we would live with this great confidence that knows that we've been justified and you've declared us righteous 
because of what Christ did for us. God, may we live with that in mind. Dear God, may it give us, lead us to a place of humility, of gratitude, understanding we're not that good. It's your goodness. Any goodness that's in us comes from, from you. We thank you for that. But God, if there's somebody here that does not know it, I pray that they would turn from whatever it is they're putting confidence in or maybe just turn from the hopelessness that consumes them and may they grab onto this that Jesus Christ paid and because Jesus, you paid, it's enough. So God, thank you for declaring us righteous. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Stop by the Next Steps wall, get some info on Next Steps. Good to have you here. We'll see you next week.